I got a rant. Uh, you hear a rant? Sure. Okay. What I mean? Streaming services. Oh gosh, I've got a streaming service news article. So this Do might you be really? the same rant. Yeah. I am over. I'm over all of these guys. So I just did the math. You you want to you want to hear some crazy math? You're gonna have to redo the math soon. By the way, but continue. No, I am or going to redo the math. Like about it. <laughs> that is a hundred percent it. Yeah. I did the math and I realized. Do you know how much you're spending per month on, on on streaming services? Max is I think 16 now. Yeah, I've got uh, Crunchyroll, yeah. which is nine. Is it up to nine now? I thought maybe it might less. be getting ready to go up. It was 7.99. Yeah, and I then think, maybe 8.99. I've got Nebula. It's 2.50 a month. Banger, by the way. I did look um, it up, dude. I don't have very many. I've got Spotify. I don't know. If and then Prime. Spotify. But, I do have Prime. Yeah, you know, Prime. but I don't pay for the free ad thing yet because i don't know if that's true yeah so is that a hundred or a hundred a year uh it's, it's like 140 a year yeah i don't think i'm spending that much that's probably under 40 bucks overall i did the math on what i was spending on streaming services and it's a good thing you're sitting down because i was pushing uh 250 dollars a what? month on what holy crap and here's what's killing me. Here's what's frustrating me. Haven't you got out of like Netflix and whatnot though already? Well, I, I did just like I did just finally cancel out of them, but I okay. I did some of the math. I'm like, at its peak, I was paying two hundred and fifty dollars a month. And so some of these guys, we we talked about this That's in the early days. Well, not anymore. It's not. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in we kind of talked in the early days of all of this. We saw all of these companies rushing towards this. And one of the complaints you and I both had is, you know, you're going to create a streaming fatigue. And what's going to happen is you're going to make people cho- you're going to make people choose. Yep. When you're cheap, I don't have to choose. But if you're not cheap, I have to ask a question. And now you think, well, I get my $3 here, but you're going to tick me off and I'm going to drop because you cost 16 And I always kind of stood up for for Netflix because I said, you know, they did finally up their rates to be like $12.99 a month. Yep. And you know what? They had been $7.99, $8.99 for about 15 years. But they have up they have upped their rates every year for the past three years, and it's like $3.00 a month every year. And so they just recently said, Hey, we're going up to, I think my plan would have been 2199 a month. Wow. For like four devices. It's the same thing that I've always had, except now I have less content. Why do I have less content? Because everybody, yeah. Yeah. So Hulu went up to 1699, I think a month, but I do use the absolute ever living daylights out of it. I got I got to plug this real quick. The the story I have is Disney's about to buy the 30% uh that Comcast had left in Hulu. So Disney will own all of Hulu. That's not surprising. And, and then they're going to kill it and probably make it part and, of Disney Plus. And they're going to increase but prices. I I I asked Disney Plus because guess what Disney Plus did? They went up like 35%. Yeah. And they're going up after the Hulu thing cuz they're going to move all their content and whatnot. It's going to be nuts. So um, Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. So I just got sick and tired of it. And I've got some racing streaming services that are pretty unique. You know, one of them's very expensive, admittedly, but it is kind of nice and fun to watch. Sports stuff's always a little bit more expensive. but And then I have YouTube TV for the same reason, because of sports, right? Oh, yeah, YouTube TV is pretty 
pretty costly. It went back up because of the same reason the cable companies were expensive. Yeah. The content providers think their content is worth more than it is. And so it's gone up 20 bucks a month over the past few years. Now, they don't raise their rates very often. I'm not going to I'm not going to gripe on that one cuz it's a choice that I know I make. But yeah, like Apple TV went up, but Apple TV went up like a dollar a month or Apple something. Apple TV's like yeah, it's less than 10 bucks while YouTube's like 70. There's going to be bundles of streaming services soon and we're going to do full circle. Disney does do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess they have the ESPN one and all that Because ESPN, yeah. Hulu, and Disney Plus are all bundled together. So we'll see. Um, I finally personally hit critical mass. I know you talked about you have, and I know several people who are like, I just, they talk about how they're losing money. I have an idea. Stop producing terrible content. Give people what they want, not what you think they will want. And then that way when you have to write off a terrible series, Man. you know, like... Yep. Terrible. Cue the intro. <laughs> Fresh from their TED Talk, it's the Lighthouse IT Solutions Podcast. Starring your host, Matt Almendinger, and Griffin Ball. Yay! <laughs> think of coming to Matt's TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is more of my TED Talk. I think you just probably were rolling your eyes the whole time, huh? You're like, I've already been there, man. I've already done all that. Already said, screw this. I'm getting rid of all these different stuff. Like I've got three, I think, excluding maybe Spotify, but I don't really count that. I think I'm. I think at the end of the day, I still got six or seven. Yeah. You know, I'm wondering if people at home still have a ton. But yeah, the 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 honest truth is, is I'm probably only using on a regular basis myself three. But yeah, and we're not here to talk about streaming services. Probably, thank goodness, much to the chagrin of most people. I think Um, we're here to talk about drugs. Weirdly. You know, it's funny. Let's the Lighthouse when you, Drug Podcast. When you th- when you think about drugs, what do you think about Griff? IT? <laughs> oh, actually, I gonna, Cleveland. <laughs> I was going to say Cleveland. I think it's Cleveland. Oh, the yeah. moment you say, "Hey, drug problem in Ohio," and, and I'm like, from somebody who lives Cleveland. in mini Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got the one drug. Cleveland's got all the drugs. All the drugs um, yeah. yeah. So. Cleveland, not being content with just having their drugs flow through the streets, have decided the drugs need to be in the sky as well. Now this is this is medical drugs. It seems more yeah, prescription okay. delivery. Yeah, yeah. This is you're right. This isn't so much narcot illegal narcotics, but this is the Cleveland Clinic, which is actually. Um, it's hard for us to believe sometimes, but you know it's one of the largest healthcare organizations in the yeah. United States. Yeah, yeah. Um, People come from all over for like specials, all over the place. Stuff. It's really weird. Yeah, they are planning starting in 2025 to distribute prescription drugs um, and medications for patients that need them via drone. And I'm. I'm looking at the provider, and it is Zipline, which is the one I'm very familiar with, which is the people who oh, yeah. started. It's a, I think it's a European tech company, technically, but they got their their history and their experience in Rwanda. They provide all we healthcare and did talk about them, didn't we? Yeah, it's literally a slingshotted plane that they they put out, and then to catch it, they 
put up a little metal pole and they catch it on a little zip line and they bring down the, the plane <laughs> and then it's it's seconds to be able to reload one of them and send another you know blood pack out or something gotcha it's crazy this sounds like this might be more f- you don't have to catch them this sounds like more like the helicopter style they, drones. apparently these these drop them with a parachute like sometimes so they could Interesting. be that but yeah but it is probably more drone driven yeah than, i think this RC is car, like you know but i plane. love i love this thinking right so Huge. right now it's just to deliver important prescription medications to people within a certain area and that way you can get your medi- you can get your medicine regulated and distributed all together like you don't have to go get your prescriptions renewed you could get but it also means that they can regulate how much they're distributing you don't have to give out 30 days supply at a time you could potentially do one which means that your chances of people abusing or selling those drugs like so there's a lot of good advantages but they they also have these really cool ideas and the desires to expand it not just to medications but being able to do things like man would what about lab samples? What if you could distribute your land? What would you know how sometimes you have to bring back a certain sample, whether it's you know one, two, or you know red? Yeah, the three liquids. The three most the th- yeah. three most common samples. We'll say, what if you could have the drone show up and then you just put it inside the drone and the drone takes it back to the lab and yeah. takes care of that way. You once it's collected, you don't have to come back and. You don't have to set up an appointment. I mean, this helps the Cleveland Clinic from being clogged up with people who don't need to be there, right? Because these these lab samples will come back. I, I think that's great. What about people who have prescription diets where there's certain foods that they have to eat? You could distribute those meals that way. What about surgical supplies or medical supplies that you need for at-home care or to smaller doctor's offices that they coordinate with? Yeah. I think this is all cool. And they, they also said, you know, what if you needed certain specific supplies for what they call hospital at home? You know, if you're doing in-home care and, uh, you know, there's certain things that you need, you know. Regularly. Yeah. Regularly. You can have that all delivered straight there. That's sweet. I'm, I'm kind of surprised this is one of those instances where lack of city planning has, has helped. <laughs> because. <laughs> That's a burn right there. Well, so like <laughs> take Phoenix, for example. Where, you know, if you have a huge elderly population who needs a system like this, would you know, they would benefit from, you know, getting prescription drugs and all that stuff. They also have a military, you know, base kind of around them. And they have an airport, like, central in the place. That means you can't do drones around. No. So, Cleveland, where you have an airport kind of on the outskirts, there's no real airport in the middle. And we're, we're in Ohio, and even Cleveland isn't really near the Appalachians so it's flat yeah it's it's still pretty flat for most of yeah. that you know what I mean it's kind of the perfect like test bed even for this type of thing I'm sure I mean it's not really a test bed at this point they're putting it in production but like, lots of other places but yeah yeah there's there's a lot less risk and like you said yeah it's a burn against Cleveland but, but in a like, good way. <laughs> that's a that's a city that could use something cool like this going on yeah that's su- that's sweet is this supposed to roll out here soon 2025 is when they want to go live with it. Okay. If you look at your calendar, that's not that far away. Yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, I don't know, what'd you call that? There's a lot of planning to make this happen, so that makes sense. A year, though, is... seems. I mean, they had to have already started this process. Had to have, yeah. But to say that they're going to start rolling it out in 2025, it's really cool. That means, and I wonder what their, what their delivery range will be. 
And if this is happening at like locations that are already established for Cleveland Clinic, or if this is going to be a new little spot or something, who knows? It's a great question. The one thing I saw was, you know, right now, you know, they've got a prescription system. They'll be able to, the pharmacist will be able to load it up, put it in the drone, and then the drone will know where it needs to deliver. Sweet. Wow. Very cool. I think so. Um, College campuses delivering food to (laughs) now hospitals delivering medication. It's crazy. Follow that up with, this is a great Dean Kamen, malicious software delivering payloads. Oh, <laughs> cybersecurity section. So let's let's talk a little bit. You know, we've talked a lot about si- supply chain issues with software. And a lot of them come down to this is not a this is not a negative towards the open source movement. There's a lot of advantages to open source. Very much creates a common sort of platform that we can use to reuse components and not reinvent the wheel. Um, But you are kind of at the mercy of a community to keep these up to date. The other issue that you have is there's a lot of, because people will implement a certain version of an open source package and not continue to test it and make sure that they're using the latest and greatest. It's very easy to have supply chain issues. So, there's a company that did a sort of like a survey or analysis on open source supply chain. And that, that company is called Sonatype. And Sonatype is not doing this out of the kindness of their hearts, by the way. I looked Dude. into who they were because I would not recognize them. Yeah, I don't recognize them. They, they create a software repository. They call it software repository firewalls. And basically, it's like a Git repo but it scans and looks at your code and your dependencies for viruses and malicious Malicious, code. It's a security repo. Gotcha. So it's looking to help you out here. But to kind of make the case for themselves, of course, they do this survey and they took a look at something like 1.2 million open source projects. That's a huge amount. Yeah, yeah. And determined that only 11% of those 1.2 million projects are considered active to this day. Wow. And I think that means that there's an update every six months Mm. for them. So this means that if your software is using one of these older packages that's not maintained and there's a vulnerability, nobody's fixing it. (laughs) That's sad because open source is such a good thing. So (laughs) There is a lot of advantage. Now, what about this? One out of every eight downloads. So this is a total thing. Not one out of every eight packages, but every eight downloads is for a version or a package that includes a vulnerability. Oof. One out of eight. That's a huge Because percent. you might make your software and you know that it works with version 13.7 of this library or framework or whatever. And you never bother to look and see what happens in version 14 or what 15 yeah, does because your version has this giant yeah. hole in it, right? So one, so every time you build your software, you build it with this very specific version. And so they say every time one of these packages download, one out of every eight contains a vulnerable distribution. And, and here's the thing with it. 96% of these downloads that were vulnerable, there was another release <laughs> that fixed, they could have fixed the it. vulnerability. Oh, gosh. So it's just crazy that in our supply chain, our, I'll say, security hygiene is so laxed on the developer side. Yeah. Um, I mean, people are just trying to get things done and they don't care about security. It's well, you mentality. know that this package works. It's yeah. reliable. You're not going to have any 
issues. Well, here's Even the problem. It's a massive hole. <laughs> You're doing it at the exploit of security. Wow. More of a, just a warning, kind of a PSA. I mean, it's what they do. They they're yeah. supposed to help you manage to make sure that if your download, if your developers are using an out of date version, which is or good. if the other thing that they said is a lot of times repositories are cloned and forked and then infected, oh. and you may have a component that isn't working or you need this old version, and so you download from this unofficial fork. Yeah, and it's different than what the known MD fives are. So the system is supposed to help out with it. It's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool system, cool stats, but scary stats at the same time. It is. Not as nearly, I think, you classify as a Zoomer, right? Depends on who you ask. Is it? Because yeah, um, I'm 95, so it's like some people say it ends there, some people say it begins. On, yeah, because now all of a sudden I'm part of the millennial group, and it's the first time in a few you're years. You're like that, X versus or It's kind of hard to. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really Gen X, but. Yeah, I wasn't like, really millennial, but now I am. Like I was. It depends on how you ask. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, for the sake of this, they're saying in the yeah, because uh, even that says twenty six. I'm not twenty six. <laughs> yeah, eighteen to twenty six crowd is the Gen Z crowd. This is what they kind of uh, anyway. Yeah, they don't care about security. I mean, it's not that they don't care, but their concerns as a priority is. Ultimately, we don't care about security. And it's it's astonishing because I was looking at this, but when they browse online and making sure that they're doing things the right way, it's just – it's not that they don't know about security. That's the that's the trick here. We're not, it's not that they don't know about it. It's that they're fatigued. Oh, yeah. They talk about breaches and everything. Imagine growing up entirely online, you know. I mean, I guess we kind of can, but still, yeah. But, I mean, imagine... With social live, networks, I guess, is the difference. And for them, they pretty much say, well, there's been so many... We've got such breach fatigue, right? Yeah. My information's already out there. Why should I care about security? That's really the mindset of Gen Z. Yeah, that's uh, um, not a good posture, but sure. <laughs> it's it's a tough one, right? Yeah. And and so they're really saying that this is a, this is a drastic change. Now, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's all of Gen Z doesn't care. But when you look statistically, there is a dr- drastic fall off. So here's what I mean. Less than 70% of the Gen Z classification of 18 to 26 think that cybersecurity is a priority. That's still majority. Okay. Yeah. So we're not. But check this out. You go up into the millennials, which is supposedly the 27 to 42 crowd. Okay. 82% of us think it's a priority. There is almost a 20% jump between the two generations. If you were to say like privacy versus cybersecurity, then like these numbers start to make more sense. This kind of includes it though. Yeah. That, that's a, it's the idea of why should I care about my security? It's probably been hacked already. Yeah. And you're like, that's not a good reason. That's to think not about a good that. reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe the idea is of, People thinking cybersecurity is, oh, my data is out there. When in reality, it's more of like, can people log into my email? <laughs> like, Or can they open a credit card in my name? Yeah. Or can they, like, and and they think that's, that's maybe some of this is the fatigue is that you hear about it every day, but you don't see it happen to you personally right yeah. away. Yeah. I laugh because, like, even on our own little, like, talk of Elmore board, I see that our gas station's getting some hate because somebody's card got hacked. Right. But it always says 
you know, I'll never go back there. I used my credit card this morning, and this afternoon I had weird, weird charges. I'm like, broke him. I don't think that was the gas station wo- fault, man. It doesn't work that fast. Yeah. And by the way, if you're not looking at the where you're putting your credit card. Yeah, make sure there's not a little dude in there reading it. I've never had a problem with them, and I use all of those. But I also am smart enough to know if you get your credit card compromised, it was not from that, that morning. Do you feel that maybe Gen Z thinks that they're they're safer, so they're not concerned about it because oh, I'm using my iPhone to pay. They, you know, you can't take that away. Like the- no, I genuinely think it's somebody has my data already. So what's the point? Listen, it goes from gloom to gloomer. <laughs> <laughs> I really, uh, Griff. I didn't spin. I didn't scroll ahead to see what you're bringing to the table today. I am really hoping you leave us on a much happier note. I mean, sort of. We'll get there. My, yeah, I mean, it's always doom and gloom with cybersecurity talks, though. So we'll keep on dooming. <laughs> let's keep. Let's press into doom, everybody. Yeah. Get your doom hats on, and I'll sing the doom song. Doom, <laughs> doom. Sorry, I can't get that high. But that's for my. That's for all my Invader Zim lovers out there. Oh, okay, I thought you were going into like Doom Eternal, like the crazy oh. metal songs. <laughs> so, yeah. What if I told you that your remote IT workforce could be hacking you? <laughs> I'd tell you, uh, we need to make some changes. Uh. (laughs) So the Department of Justice, just in October, released a memo that said, hey, we seized 17 domains belonging to North Korea. North Korea again, huh? Yeah, you'll love this. Haven't heard Uh, them in a little while, actually. They're still doing their thing. Cybersecurity attacks. Yeah. So this warning from the Department of Justice pretty much just said, listen, businesses in America, if you're using remote IT workers, it seems that North Korea is using people impersonating tech workers to plant and get hired in businesses as remote employees, spoofing IP addresses and routing through all kinds of stuff so that it looks like they live in St. Louis or what have you, right? But the reality is they're not. And what they're actually doing is probably less working and more collecting data and sending it to North Korea to be used to leverage and defraud you. Oh, yeah. Fun. It's a little genius. I'm not going to say. <laughs> this is a, you know. I mean, most techs are, you know, pretty smart, so. And you're, you are hiring them for this, so right? Like yeah. They're, yeah. So the FBI has kind of said, hey, you need to really look for some red flags. And guess what? We've talked a little bit about some of these because we've talked about people doing this exact same thing using video, like AI stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But if they're not wanting to show up on camera, maybe make sure that they show their ID, which, by the way, isn't that part of the the I-7 or I-9 verification process? The E-Verify thing? Yeah, E-Verify. You're supposed supposed to to you're supposed to verify your ID as long as you verify your ID um, on camera. That's supposed to count, but there are people who just don't. Anyway, definitely ways to get around that too. The other thing is if you can if you can figure out if the if it looks like maybe they've cheated or plagiarized on code tests, like if you do a code test, that could be a pretty good sign. So double check their answers and see if it looks like it's coming from like a stack overflow or whatever. If it matches up exactly, then they probably, here's your sign to quote terrible comedians. 
What about social media profiles? Take a look at their social media profiles. Does the person they tell you are they are on social media match what their resume is? Was it you created take, within the past seven days? <laughs> created in the past seven days. Does it look like they're the IT type? Does yeah. it look like you know, they're on LinkedIn and they're talking about uh, espionage, for instance? Maybe that's what they do. Just and, a casual Friday night espionage post. <laughs> no, no big deal. Sitting with my glass of wine in my tub, talking about espionage. No big deal. You know what the world needs to hear is my opinions on espionage. <laughs> Don't tell my company. Don't tell my company. Um, some best practices to have, though, of course, enforce the use of a company VPN that uh, is discriminative of other VPNs. Uh, verify that the IP address that they're logging into Verify their IP address so that, like, when they VPN in, the source IP address that it's they get. It's not like an internet cafe or something, yeah. Yeah, or a UPS store or something. Yeah. Or, like, if you trace it back, it's not going back to some weird location that makes no sense. Or the address that they give you as their place of residency. So not just the source IP address, but their physical address. You know, is it a mailboxes, et cetera? Yeah. What year is this? Yeah. <laughs> Basic. Oh. Do background checks on staff on your staffing firms, mm. not just your employees. Yeah, good good point. Hey, we checked this person out for you. We think they're a great fit. Don't well, worry. Who are you? Yeah. Background <laughs> check came back clean. Yeah. What about yours? Yeah. Require in-person meetups before the hiring process. You know, just hey, I want to get even if it's hey, I want to get coffee. We'll go over some of the big pieces. Let's get together. Let's try to meet halfway, kind of thing. Try to do something like that. Their biggest one, though, that they said I thought was interesting is leverage employee referrals. I mean, we, we know when you have an employee referral, that person's usually a good worker. And they're probably real. That's the big part, yeah. I would say that most times we've ever had a refer referral, they've been real. Yeah. Yeah. 98% of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a plus or minus 2% margin. <laughs> So thought that was interesting. If you're big into using and hiring remote IT work, just make sure that they're real people. Which is more and more popular. So this is actually probably going to become more and more important as, as time goes on. I think you're right on that one. Man. Well, I got a few things about Google that's relevant to the holidays that are coming up. And they're kind of cool. They're actually kind of helpful. So Google, as always, you know, is releasing updates and whatnot. And one of their updates is kind of nice for small businesses, surprisingly, as opposed to the last like three updates we've discussed. <laughs> so <laughs> in the little merchant center now as a small business, if you're selling products, highly advise you to go in there and tag yourself as a small business. You can verify via a few things. There's actually an automated verification feature that basically will just pull your, your stats. It'll kind of just designate you as a small business, which is kind of fun. Or if you're an Etsy seller, you can do uh, that because Etsy has a way to verify your small business as well. So what, what this is doing, though, is it's giving you a small business tag that appears straight on maps and search. So people That's right really away cool. are going to be able to figure out this, that you're a small business. And Google says in a survey that they conducted of something that they do not tell, because I don't know what the survey involved. Great job, Google. 84% of people are keen to support small businesses just, this year. It's, so. just their, it's just their normal spying. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'll trust a Google stat every once in a while. That sounds like a good one. So, Who has more information about you than Google? Exactly. Maybe that's why Gen Z is... Doesn't care. We give all of our information uh, to Google. They sell it to the highest bidder. That's a good point, too. Like the idea that 
you've grown up in a world of targeted advertising, so eh, you probably uh, my know. data's already out there. Yeah, I said new, I said hazelnut spread as a joke to see if Google was listening, and, and I got an ad for Nutella. The first thing I opened on my phone, and I was like, "That's that's probably real. That's that's stupid." So <laughs> it was literally like two days ago. The other thing they're doing is this AI product studio where you're going Tell to be able to- Tell me more about this Nutella. <laughs> this Nutella? I didn't know they had an old Tella. <laughs> <laughs> well, Google's making AI product studio, which is going to allow you to generate, you know, a few different, it's going to help you edit a photo. So a product image, for example. So if you wanted to add a seasonal background to your product, you can just boom, AI generate here's the same photo, but now you have a whole background of Christmas and whatnot. So as a small business, boom, you can have oh, like a whole that. new like kind of product line. You can clean up your photos little... without having a studio. <laughs> yeah, exactly though. Honestly, yeah. I can pumpkin spice up my widget as I'm selling yep. or or get it ready for Christmas. Boom. I mean, there's a few other things. Backgrounds not are, are just one aspect of that, but this AI product studio tool is very uh, strong, and I definitely think you should get in there. They've also updated the knowledge uh, panel listing, which is really just going to give you a whole bunch more analytics on the customer side. The customer is going to be able to be like, oh, their return policy is 30 days, you know, that kind of thing. So very, very good on both sides to be able to understand what the heck's going on, what you're doing when you're buying These stuff. These feel like good changes. My yeah. gosh. I know. Isn't that weird? As opposed to the last few times we've talked about Google good updates. On you, good on you, Google. I think they're yeah. finally listening to our podcast. I, that's got to be it. That's got to be it. Yeah. They're like, Tim you know Google. what? You know what? Tim Google. <laughs> I got it. I'm sorry. You, you ruined Tim it. Tim Google ruined it. I know. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Meta for a moment because you can't talk about Google apparently now without talking about Meta. It's the law. It's the law. So- Meta's introduced another thing. They're doing A-B testing on, and audience limiting on Reels, which is kind of nice. So normal just A-B testing, it kind of speaks for itself. You're going to be able to post a Reel in different variations and then see which one does better, you know, what thumbnail was better, whatever, get most engaging content out of that. Super big for larger firms who are doing Reels for, you know, products and influencing and that type of thing. So very cool. And you can also now, on the personal level, be able to say, I don't want my reels to be public. I want them to be only on my friends' feeds and stuff like that, which I also think is a huge step. I think that's awesome. That brings things a lot closer to, like, the Snapchat era and things like that, bringing people who are opposed to reels because it's public back into the, the mix of short-form video content. So, pretty cool. Yeah. But that's not the last little thing I got for Meta. Amazon, man. Amazon and Meta, they... Are they turning Meta into an everything app? <laughs> oh, that would hurt Mr. Zuck's little feelings. He'd be like, I've been trying. <laughs> I've been trying. <laughs> so ever since Meta has abandoned their whole idea of I'm like, going to let you finish, ads. but Elon Musk had the best everything <laughs> app of all time. Oh, get your shy Cybertruck out of here. Ridiculous. So ever since Meta has abandoned their efforts on the shopping thing that they kind of were trying to do for Facebook... Basically, they've been trying to create an integration with Amazon since, and they've done it, man. So before the holiday season, we're going to be seeing a way to buy Amazon products via the Instagram and Facebook app. Just This is what I need. I need more reason to buy more from Amazon. Yep, dude. Just basically link your account, all your, your shipping information, payment information. You just hit buy now on an, on an ad. Did you say you bought a battery for your car? Because... <laughs> It was like, I just don't really feel like trying to rush out of here. Yeah, I just like, bought it online, had it delivered. 
It would yeah. sit when you got home from work. Like, I was like, oh, that's the future. And, <laughs> and admittedly, I've had similar issues where I'm like, I want to go to so-and-so and buy this, but their hours sucked. And um, I mean, I bought it at AutoZone, and it delivered oh, enough, via okay. the okay. one in Bowling Green, I think, is where it shipped from. So Okay. Yeah. But it shipped from – so it was one of those things where it's like – just tough because, like, I would go to the Napa, but you're right. They have the worst hours, and, and then, you'd have to take time off of work, and you're like, do I really want yeah. And then so and then I you're like – another car, so I was like, ah. And then by the time you go, well, it's going to take me five days to get to this. Oh, I can order it now, and it'll be here tomorrow. Done. And you're like, <laughs> I didn't have to do anything. I can type in my old battery, and it tells me what is going to match my car. Done. <laughs> It was so easy. I was like stressing for two days, and then I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, let's just do this." This is easy. <laughs> Done. Where's my easy button? The only problem is now I have an old battery that I need to bring back to them at some point. So I kind of wish I could like ship the old one back in the same box or something. That'd be kind of cool. But. Oh, so you had to? I'm guessing they made you pay the core charge up front. Yeah, which yeah, I, I'll get back if I go there. And so, do you have to go yeah. back to the Bowling Green one, or can you go back? I think you can go to any of them, but. I think the Bowling Green one's the closest. I don't think there's one in Perrysburg. There's Perrysburg, yeah. Is there one in Perrysburg? Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Next to Waffle House. I was going to say that, but I was worried you wouldn't know which Waffle House. There are two Waffle Houses in Perrysburg, next to Harley Davidson. <laughs> it is next to, it's the same road as the Harley Davidson. Yeah. I forgot that one was there. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I probably knew when I looked, but it shipped from Bowling Green, so whatever. But and then anyway. you could go get yourself some ramen and pho. Oh, don't tempt me with with wife's ramen. <laughs> That's a free plug for anybody in Northwest Ohio. Just check it out. We check finally out. got it. I mean, well, there's been a fun place and there's been a couple ramen places, but on the outskirts of Toledo in Perrysburg, there's, it's fairly legit. And while we ponder what our dinner is, this is what happens. You know, we're overly caffeinated because it's you know, normally we're half asleep when we do this. It's, it's the morning. And, but... Yeah, we're recording in an afternoon. Wait, what? But I'm listening to this at 10 o'clock in the morning, Matt. What are you <laughs> suggesting? That this is pre-recorded and edited? I am saying that person at home who is- live. Yeah. We're live all the time. We just sit here. And then when we get the little red light on, Griff and I, we just, we just start talking. And then when you shut your car off, I quickly go to the bathroom. Yeah. I think that's where we end. I think that's. I don't think we get any better than that, Griff. What do you think? I think that's fine. All right. So listen, we are getting ready next week. Well, I mean, I guess unless you're listening to this to seven days from when it comes out, but Thanksgiving, which I'm not going to dwell on because we had a whole big thing about it last time about how the next podcast was the first one before Thanksgiving. But I am so excited, Griff. It's my favorite holiday. Honestly, it was an excuse to eat as much as you want. It's all of the delicious staple foods that you like. And the desserts. No, no oh. gift giving. Oh, man. You need to save room for dessert. But then you don't. So then you just have dessert like three hours later, and that's your dinner. Like, should you have. It's always, yeah, that's actually yeah. how it is. It's great. Yeah, I have Thanksgiving dinner for lunch, and then I have dessert yep. for dinner. Same. I'm going to start crying. I love this country so much. I love that, like, 5 p.m. coffee you have with dessert, too. <laughs> yeah. So while we go practice and get ourselves, we're going to go get we're, we're gonna, we're gonna go get fit, uh, Thanksgiving fit. Ooh, and I'm gonna, elastic pants. Elastic right, pants. We encourage you, check out the show notes at lighthouseswl.com slash podcast. That'll take you to the hub where you can see not just this episode, but all of our previous episodes. While you're there, you can see the blog. 
with all of the articles that that we put up regarding just everything that's happening in our world as well that sometimes the content we have here makes it to the blog sometimes it doesn't we try to keep it all different and fresh for you but but you'll check out there's some cool stuff there and then in two weeks time when we're all hung over from thanksgiving turkey and tryptophan overdoses we'll get back together we'll chat again and you will have a 30 pound heavier crew here at the lighthouse it solutions podcast so, but on behalf of griff i've been matt and that does it for another episode of the Lighthouse IT Solutions Podcast.